This is News Talk 980 CKNW. 9.06 on this Sunday morning. Thanks so much for being with us. You likely have heard this story in the news, uh, either on this station, on other media outlets. And it goes back to June 9th of 2015. And that is the day that 15-year-old Nick Lang was found deceased in a closet. It was just six days after the teen had been placed in the care of the Ministry of Children and Family Development. He was supposed to be getting help for a drug addiction and instead... His family has now had to deal with the loss and deal with trying to find answers and explanations since that day in 2015. A few days ago, I got an email from Linda, who is Nick's mother, uh, saying that she wants this story to remain in the light for people to remember that this is still ongoing. So I invited uh, Linda to join us on the program this morning. Uh, Linda is here with us, as well as Peter Lang, who is Nick Lang's father. Thank you so much uh, to both of you for taking some time and to be on the program this morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Joe. Uh, Linda, maybe uh, can I start with you and talk a little bit about uh, the, the fact that you did send this email to talk about your son, uh, an extremely painful uh, story and a, a painful thing to talk about. Why was it important for you to reach out and to make sure that Nick's story uh, is still in the news and is still uh, on people's radar? Well, it's important for me that the story keeps out there, um, especially with the new change in government. Um, Peter and I have been very big supporters of the NDP, and moving forward, we're hoping that there'll be some change um, within MCFD and services provided to youth that have addiction or mental health issues. Um, so we want to bring it back to the limelight to basically say, hey, you know what, we're still here. This is still happening. There's a new government in place now that supported us a lot through the loss of Nick and with holding the Liberals to account. And, uh, you know, we want them to take note now, the, the new government, that we're still here and we're waiting for them now to reach out to us and, and move forward to try and help other families not go through the same pain, suffering, and grief that we have. And um, there's a lot of legislation with the Liberals um, starting back as far as 2000 for secure care that uh, was never brought into force. And we're both big um, supporters of secure care, and we want to be able to have that discussion with the NDP. And as well, we're, we're currently still going through uh, a civil suit against the province, and a trial is set for September. And we're hoping that the NDP will keep their word to us and not drag us drag us through a, a painful trial, but but work with us. And uh, Peter, I'll bring you in on the conversation as well. And I know we've talked to you before about this. Um, Linda mentioned secure care. What do you think could have been different, or or if it was different, might have saved Nick's life? Well. I- from my perspective, we should never have actually had to criminalize our son in the first place and, and in order to access help because, I mean, it's out there in, in um, the Representative for Children and Youth report that Nick was on probation. That's how he was involved with MCFD. He wasn't um, um, in the child welfare system per se, but he was in the youth justice system, which M- MCFD oversees in this province. And uh, we were basically looking for help for him months before he committed his offense against his mother. 
And um, once he committed that offence, we were told, uh, well, the only way to get help is for him to be criminalized. So for me, um, had we had an opportunity to get him help before he ever uh, appeared in front of a judge, uh, would have made all the difference in the world, and he would have been here still, I guarantee it. Uh, when you talk about, uh, and Linda, you mentioned this, that there is a change in government. Uh, the NDP uh, did uh, did champion for you, did hold the, the Liberals or attempt to hold the Liberals to account. Uh, that is the job of the opposition. How how uh, confident are you that there will actually be uh, substantial changes made now uh, that will make things, like you said, uh, for other families that will that will that will improve things for other families? Well, at, at this point, I'm I'm still very hopeful and very confident. Um, the NDP really were holding the Liberal government uh, to account starting right back in October of 2015. Um, Mr. Horgan stood up and confronted the Liberals and Christy Clark about their treatment towards us. And, you know, Mr. Horgan had said at the time... Um, with the Liberals sending us a letter from their lawyer basically telling us to shut up, that it was the most heartless thing he had ever, ever heard. Um, you know, so now we're just hoping the NDP, with this change in government, you know, are, are true to their word. I'm, I'm confident they are. I know they're new. Um, a lot of things happen, and, it, and sometimes, it, yes, it does take time, but they're pushing through a lot of other legislation right now, and... I think our youth should be up there on the top. So, you know, getting our, keeping our story out there and talking about Nick and making the public and the NDP realize this is still happening and our youth are the future of this province. So I think it's worth pushing this up to the forefront and seeing some action on it right away. And and Peter, is it a case of, in this case as well, is it a case of legislative change? Or is this also, in, in Nick's case, was it not also a, a breakdown in communication in, in the family uh, that was tasked, that was paid to look after your son, didn't know his background, didn't know the risks, didn't know about leaving him alone? It seems, I mean, would we be having a much different conversation today uh, had there been better communication? Oh, absolutely, and that's <clears throat> we've we've discovered that through the various investigations. We didn't know about that when we first um, allowed Nick to go to that program, but the program wasn't made made aware of some of uh, Nick's history. The people where he was living weren't made aware. So, you know, from my perspective, it's just how do you send a kid to a program when you don't even haven't even read the the file, right? I mean, you don't even know who you're dealing with here, and you're you're rushing him off to a program, but. Uh, definitely it was gaps in communication, but, you know, over and above that, there's a systematic problem uh, within the child welfare system in this province and the youth justice system where somebody's culture is completely dismissed as unimportant. And then we end up in a situation where we have a bunch of Indigenous children, and Nick was Métis, uh, that are overrepresented in the system and uh, people don't seem to understand. You know, I, I read Ed John's report and I, I really like uh, that report. There's 85 recommendations in there. There's nothing specific about youth justice, but there are a lot of issues within the child welfare system that also exist within the youth justice system, specifically around cultural identity, keeping families together. So, you know, people know that uh, my family all live in Campbell River. I have cousins there. I have my mom and dad there, my sister. Um, Why wouldn't the system allow my son to stay with them when he was in that program? That would have gone a long ways to making sure that he had the attention he needed 
Now, the people where he was staying, I don't blame them. Uh, Linda doesn't blame them. They were simply victims in this as well. Likewise with the staff in the program where he was attending. Is there something the NDP could do that uh, could stop the civil action, could stop that trial from going forward in September? Well, I think just simply sitting down and then working something out and saying, how do we move forward? You know, the previous government... uh, really would ignored us basically and told us to go pound sand and that's why we felt we had no choice but to push it through the courts because that seems to be the only way to get the the previous liberal government to do anything right um even uh daryl plekis i think in the last couple of days has said they virtually the same thing that they ignored uh, some of our more marginalized people for several years even though they were sitting on six billion dollars um of a surplus allegedly so but with the ndp I think, I hope, um, we can say, hey, what's what's the path to real change here? And I'm, I'm really impressed with the ministerial mandate letter that uh, that the, minister, the new minister for children and families has. And I and I would like to see us be able to be part of that solution by sitting down with them and saying, okay, let's get this thing out of the way and let's move forward. And uh, Linda, as well, it's unfortunately Nick was not the only child. When we look at, back at the past few years of children who are either in care or who have aged out of care, uh, we've seen uh, suicides. We've seen uh, children that have led to investigations and reports. Uh, I, I mean, you were pushed into this uh, to almost to becoming a spokesperson because of this horrible thing that happened. Uh, what do you think, as well, about the other the other children and, and the other cases that that we've been dealing with in the past few years? Um, well, you, you know, it's heart wrenching, and the numbers have steadily increased of these youth that have uh, passed away in care. And that's why I think it's important for us to move forward and try and work with the NDC government for change. You know, Peter and I, yes, um, have voices where we can be advocates for all the youth. There's Alex, there's Paige, there's JP. There's, like, so many children that have been in, you know, the forefront of the news, and it shouldn't be happening. Um, like going back to legislation, legislation um, in 2000, um, there was a Secure Care Act that was approved, and, but it was never brought into force, and, and that happened when the Liberals won in 2001. And you know, there was also a Reframed Secure Act in 2009. That's eight years ago that was drafted but didn't proceed. And this legislation targeted youth who are at high risk of self-harm due to severe substance misuse or addiction. And the government of the day, who is a liberal, directed MCFB instead to develop voluntary support and services to vulnerable, not youth, risk, risk under the current regular, regular framework. And this didn't work. Like, this has been going on, you know, just back since 2000. It's probably been since before then. Um, and, you know, to add, there is a critical lack of services and support. So their approach for years is consistent. It, it hasn't worked. It's not produced desired outcomes. Like, there's been critical injuries, deaths. So... I think for Peter and I, being able to be voices and move forward and work with the NDP to help all youth in the future is really important. And I want to see something happening in the legislature 
regarding this. Um, but the, the effects on our family, you know, have been... I don't even really have a word to explain how great it has been. Um, I'm currently still off work since Nick passed away. Um, I work for the federal government, and my counseling is close to running out. I'm soon going to be in a position where I can't afford to even help myself anymore. And, you know, Nick has a brother. He's 18 going on 19 who is now an only child. And he has to live without the rest of his life and everything that we've went through. So I think it's, you know, really important that, yes, it's about legislature, in, but it's also about families and how families are affected on a personal level. And us going forward with the civil case, yes, as Pete said, was the only way to hold the Liberals to account. But we feel now that we We've pushed, we've campaigned, we've worked really hard to support the NDP to get into government because we're we're confident that they're going to help us. They're going to find a way to stop our pain and suffering. Um, the grief is never going to go away. It's something we live with every day. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I close my eyes, I go back to bed for the day. I can't, the reality is I can't deal with the day. And that's never going to go away. But on the days where I do have a bit of strength and can help somebody else not suffer the way Peter has and Nick's brother, you know, I'm going to be a lioness and I'm going to fight hard. And I'm going to hold the NDP to account that, uh, you know, that they're here for us and that they are going to keep their word and going to work with us and help us. To drag us through a two-week trial, I don't know I'd survive it. But I guess I would find the strength to do it. I'm hoping the NDP won't put us through that. Well, we will uh, definitely keep uh, in touch with you uh, and uh, and see what happens moving forward. Uh, we're almost out of time. Peter, is there anything you wanted to add? No, <clears throat> um, just uh, that, you know, I work in the justice system as well, and I've focused, I, I've dedicated my life to indi- Indigenous justice specifically, uh, it's always been um, my area of interest, so I'm hoping to um, take this, um, you know, tragic situation and hopefully turn it into a positive to um, make things better for other kids in the future. All right. Well, I thank both of you so much. I know it's uh, still a very difficult thing to talk about, but thank you both uh, for coming on the show and uh, bringing us up to date. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Jill. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.